Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another bi-weekly podcast of the Real Film Nerds. I spy with my little eye our next episode. How's that for a pun, Mike? Uh, that was that was that was okay. I, I I think that works. It's better than just saying what the movie is. Oh, okay, good. Okay, so there you go. If you have not uh, listened to us before, I am your hostess without the mostest, uh, Mister Matt Hinshaw. You can follow me on the internet's at Hinshaw Photo everywhere and anywhere the social medias live. And with me, as always, my good buddy from the other side of the earth. Sometimes he's out in space, sometimes not. He's quite the explorer. Mysterious Mike. Hey, everyone. So I know I introduced you, even though you already chimed in earlier, but I just felt like it needed to be more formal. Okay. Like uh, the movie that we're about to review? Yes. The very formal, incredible, amazing funny film that we saw that has the word spy in the title so mike go ahead give us the rundown what movie are we uh talking about today all right so we're reviewing the spy who dumped me uh it's directed by Susanna fogel and written by Susanna fogel and david ierson um this is starring justin thoreau uh mila kunitz uh kate mckinnon and uh, quite a few other people. You still there, Matt? Yeah, I'm just waiting for you to finish your rundown. Oh, okay. Um, and then, did I did I did I screw you up or what? No, no, it was I, I don't know. I just I lost where I was. I'm back now. Oh, it's all good, man. It's all good. You got the director, you got the writers, you got the stars. Now you just got to give us the uh, storyline. Yeah. So Audrey and Morgan are best friends who unwittingly become entangled in an international conspiracy when one of the women discovers the boyfriend who dumped her was actually a spy. Well, Mike, I I think this is a fun, interesting, really good date movie, which is what made it really awkward for me when I went and saw it on opening night on Thursday last week at my local Harkins instead of Picture Show, because MoviePass is a bitch. Yeah, I, I think Movie Pass is over, right, Matt? I mean, they don't, they're, they're not, they didn't allow you to even see anything or, or try to see anything. Well, this is what's really interesting, not to get off on the continued saga of the wonderful Movie Pass that I still have not canceled but should. I was furiously checking my app throughout the day on Thursday, and I was like, well, I like to go see movies on Thursdays. I don't really, I'm not a huge fan of seeing them on Fridays. Sometimes I'll go to the Saturday matinee if I'm not out flying or whatever. So I'm down with going, you know, to the later show on Thursday. And so I checked throughout the day and there was no peak pricing. There was nothing. And it kept popping up. Spy Who Dumped Me. And the only showings that were available were the 7 o'clock and the 940 or something. And so I was like, all right, I, the 7 o'clock. That gives me time to go home, put the dog out, grab my Harkins cup and head to the theater. So I did that. I went home. I put the dog out, grabbed my Harkins cup. It was about 6.30, 6.45, took off, head to the theater. Got to the theater, went to check into my app, and it said, no more showings today. 
And I was like, what? That's bullshit. And so then I sat down and I started checking all the other theaters because that's one of the nice things of the update on the MoviePass app is that you can pick up all the theaters that are within so many miles of you and I can pick all of them up in the state. So basically I start checking all the ones in Phoenix and the ones here and every single theater I clicked on said the exact same thing. No showings available, even though from the point I started checking at probably, I don't know, one o'clock or two, whenever I went to lunch, it said it was available and I could go see it. And then literally I'm sitting at the theater ready to walk in and see the movie. And it says, no. Wow, that's really frustrating. That that pissed me off. So right off the bat, I checked my uh, next app. I still am a huge fan of Flickster, even though it's kind of gone by the wayside. And I pulled up Flickster, and I checked the showtimes on Harkins. And the Harkins showtime was, I think, like 7.30 or 7.40 or something. Basically, it was enough time for me to get in my car, drive to Harkins, walk in, and see the movie. I was a little late. I came in during the previews, so I didn't get the world's best seat, but... I walked in and I paid for the movie and got my drink and all that stuff and screw you, you know? Yeah. So does Harkins have a assigned seating or is it uh, still uh, general? No, general. Harkins is still general admission, which is what I actually tr- truly prefer because uh, I, I don't have to sit there and kick people out of my seats. I, I hate that shit. That's the, like my biggest complaint about Picture Show. Well, I have multiple complaints about our local Picture Show that... I will try not to go into too much in case they decide to become a sponsor down the road. But that's one of the things I really have been vocal about is I don't like the assigned seating. I really don't because every single time I show up, there's usually someone in my seat or someone says I'm sitting in their seat and I have to prove to them that I'm not and show them exactly where it shows you the numbers on the seats because people can't see them because they put them on the armrest, but like halfway down the armrest. So they don't understand which seats they're in. It's it's frustrating. It's just something I don't want to be dealing with when I'm sitting there trying to watch a movie and I'm trying to see the new previews coming and they're like, oh, you're in my seat. Or, hey, can you get the F out of my seat? So it's just an, it's just an annoyance to me. Wow, you really have it happen that much, huh? More than More than you would think, yeah. So, anyways, that's the latest update with MoviePass. What do you think about the movie, since you had to drive to two theaters to see it? I, personally, I thought, you know, I was having a shitty day to begin with. It was just not a good day. I don't remember what was going on, but I was frustrated about something, or pissed off about something, or uh, I don't know. So, I was having a bad day, and so that might contribute to my enjoyment of this movie, but I really, I enjoyed it. I'm a sucker for a good kind of slapsticky-ish comedy and that's what this is. It's not super slapsticky, but it is to a level. It is for sure. They have some, you know, gross jokes. They definitely have some stuff on the level of like hangover and things like that. I mean, they're not gross to me, but to your average viewer they would be. But I personally enjoyed it. I really liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um my, one of my biggest worries going into it though was Kate McKinnon. I like Kate McKinnon. She's hilarious. She does a really good job on Saturday Night Live. She's fun to watch. But the problem is, is sometimes she's too much. Sometimes she's really over the top. And what's interesting is they actually pointed that out in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I definitely agree. Like, I thought she was, like, kind of too much in the uh, new Ghostbusters movie. 
I agree. I agree. But I uh, really liked her in... Um, oh, now I'm going to forget the name of the movie. Uh, hold on. I'll look it up real quick. Or Okay. Keep talking. Yeah, well, I was just going to you know allude that I think she definitely reined it in on here, on uh, the spy who dumped me. There's moments where she is slapsticky and she gets really over the top. But that's kind of purposely built in for her to do that for those particular scenes at that particular time or whatever. It adds levity to the situation. And I really, really, really enjoyed that when she did. But she knew when to kind of dial it back when it was more serious. Because, yes, this is a comedy. Yes, this is a slapstick buddy movie. I would say it's almost like a buddy cop movie. But they're not cops and they're not really spies. They're just two buddies. Yeah, just a buddy flick, yeah. Right, and she really, really, really reins it in when it needs to be a serious part or when it's a serious action part. She, you know, steps it up and reins it in, unlike Ghostbusters. Yeah, uh, I liked her in Masterminds. Oh, yeah, Masterminds. That was good. Oh, that's one on Netflix right now, too. I was able to watch it the other day. Yeah, it's it's a weird movie, uh, but it's funny. Yeah, that's an odd one for sure. All right, so Mike, what did you think of The Spy Who Dumped Me? Yeah, I really liked it. Uh, it's just a funny comedy uh, duo movie. Uh, I liked, there's, there's you know, some kind of like dick and fart jokes, and I thought that was great. It, you know, uh, it was interesting to have, uh, you know, two female leads in this, and they were great. Um, I guess this... This kind of reminds me of like a bridesmaids type movie where it's it's got some raunchy stuff in it, but it's still overall it's really funny and it, it was good. Um, it was just a fun ride. Um, I could see how you would think this is a uh, date movie, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, I I could. It it is a fun movie. Like this would be like a date night, I guess. If if people uh, want to escape and just laugh and not not have to have too many serious things to think about you know well the reason why i think it's a date movie is because it can appease both the male and female in the dating scenario it's fun it's hilarious um it has two female leads that you know come up with lots of female quips things like that yeah. That's why I kind of went that way. Kind of like, well, you know, kind of like Bridesmaids in a way. You know, like Bridesmaids is a really, really good, well-done comedy starring a bunch of uh, young ladies. And I think this takes a little bit from Bridesmaids in some ways. Yeah, I think I'm really starting to like uh, Mila Kunitz as a star in, in uh, these kind of comedies. Like, um, the what was the Bad Moms? I love yeah, that movie. Oh. Yeah, I was talking about that the other day at work. I really, I really enjoyed that movie. I thought it was fun. I never saw the sequel. I didn't see the Christmas one, but I, uh, I really liked the original one. I, I thought it was fun. Yeah, it was fun, uh, and it was, it was like I don't know. I, I felt like it was more real, kind of like how how tough um, being a parent is and all the stuff that you have to do. And it was just funny. It was a, it was a good look on on that stuff. Well, that and Mila's. Mila Kunis is, you know, quite attractive. I-, I would take her as one of my wives for sure. Oh yeah, your your future ex-wife. One of my future ex-wives. Yep, definitely. But I think she has a kid or two now. Didn't she get back with Ashton Kutcher? 
Yes. Did they break up? I don't know, man. I, I thought well, they were no, still. If you just, remember, yeah. if you remember when they did the '70s show together, they were dating and really involved um, during that show, and then after it for a while until Ashton Kutcher went and hooked up with uh, uh, Demi Moore. Oh, and married her and all that stuff. Oh, okay. and then uh, fairly recently, probably I don't know a year or two. I don't know. I don't. I don't keep up with the tabloid bullshit. I'm, I'm a movie lover. I love movies. I love going to films. I love watching them. But honestly, what happens in these stars' lives, I really could care less about. I, I, I have enough time trying to juggle my own life, let alone paying attention to some rich person I will never meet's life. So, but anyways, yeah. I, I think. I think her and Ashton Kutcher are back together, and they might have had a kid or something. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure of the the status of that either. I I believe they're married, but I I, I don't know. Um, but yeah. yeah, she's just quite attractive to me. I, I like her. Maybe it's that uh that Eastern European look or something. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. She's good looking. That and she's funny. You know. <laughs> yeah, she is funny. Yeah, I guess ever since the '70s show, we've we've been watching her on on various things. Well, and you know, she's also been on Family Guy since its inception. Yeah, is she is she friends with um, uh, McFarlane? Oh yeah, Seth McFarlane and Seth Green and all them. Yeah, she does the voice of uh, Meg. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, and it's it's always been kind of like a running joke of like Seth MacFarlane is that he gets he has this super hot, attractive young, you know, girl playing doing the voice of a character that's just absolutely ridiculed about her looks constantly by her own family. It's one of his kind of running gags. It's funny. Nice, nice. Yeah, Seth MacFarlane has a bunch of people that go on that show regularly, right? For the voices. Yeah, yeah. the The main cast is, uh, you know, Seth MacFarlane, obviously, and then he has uh, Mila Kunis does Meg, and then um, Seth Green does Chris Griffin, and I'm spacing on the uh, lady that does the uh, the wife's voice. Um, she's fairly well known, but she's mostly known as a comedian voice actor. She's done a few roles. In film and TV and stuff, but I, I'm spacing on her name. She's she's really well known though. Oh, okay, cool. So, anyways, so Mike, let's get back on the spy who dumped me. What what do you want to add about it? What did you like? What didn't you like? What did you hate? What do you think was very important? Well, I was excited to see another flaccid penis. Um, see, I knew you were going to bring that the up. Return of the flaccid penis for everyone who's thing. I am obsessed with flaccid penises from uh, the um, Game of Thrones season one. There was just a plethora, and I, I thought it was an exciting movement. And then it's faded away. But every once in a while, especially lately, there's been some flaccid penises in movies, and it's good. Dude, and this one was like in the first like 20 minutes of the movie, and it was not hiding around. It wasn't like a quick flash. I mean, it was it was in your face. Yeah, I I uh I was uh surprised. I was surprised this movie was rated R. I didn't know it was rated R coming into it, and I was like, "Oh, sweet. It'll probably be better." I was a little disappointed that there was no female nudity in it. Of course you were, Matt. Come on. Well, we all know your love of the uh male form, and I have my love of the female form. 
Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. There was no uh, naked uh, women in this. That one. Nope. That, that no, one, no boobies. The one um, Russian assassin girl was in very skimpy outfits. Dude, that was interesting. That was an interesting character. I wasn't sure if she was Russian or if she was German or if she was Czechoslovakian or whatever. But that was interesting how she was like the supermodel. And man, dude, that car, that chrome, uh, was it a Ferrari or a Lamborghini? I think it was a Ferrari. I think it was a Ferrari, yeah. I think I saw the horses stitched on the the uh, headrest. That was a cool-looking car. That was really cool. Yeah, that was a cool, I like that that. Was a cool-looking car, yeah. Yeah, she was one of those characters I really enjoyed in this. I, I wasn't a super huge fan of how Kate McKinnon could just take her on one-on-one, and Kate McKinnon's not a trained assassin at all. And clearly this girl had been a trained assassin since she was like 12 or 13. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the movie, you've just got to suspend your your disbelief sometimes with these kind of... I mean, there's lots of things that were just happening that were like, uh, you know... Like like the car chase scene with the uh, the Uber driver <laughs> thing or, or that was one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie. I, I wasn't sure if you wanted to ruin that or not, but that was that was one of my favorite scenes, man. That was so funny. Well, I don't want to ruin it, but I I mean there was a good scene with the car chase. We can leave it at that. Yeah, and it involves an Uber driver. Yeah, and. Oh, gosh, dude. That scene was just so much fun because it was all just coincidence. Like the whole scene. They were like, oh, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. It it was fun, though. It it was fun. It was absurd, and it was fun, and it was, yeah, I liked that. That was good. Yeah, I I liked kind of the uh, spy stuff that was in the movie where, like, you don't know who to believe, like, who's who's who and like it's kind of like double crossing and triple crossing like you know i guess classic spies just like uh mission impossible that we just watched it's like yeah kind of working for who kind of classic spy stuff but like kind of done in a comedic way yeah i thought it was good i liked that it was it was good it was you know a lot of it was predictable but it still was fun i i liked it yeah no it it was just a fun movie this is a great, great, fun movie. It, it's not going to set the world on fire. It's not going to, you know, make you question reality. It's not going to make you talk too much about it outside of the theater. But for some mindless entertainment on a weekday night or a weekend or something, just to you know, not worry about the world, I think it's a. I think it succeeded. I think it did real well. Yeah, I'm not sure how well it's doing in the box office, but uh, yeah, it was good. It it, it deserves to uh, make some money and, you know, people, you should go see it. All right. So on that note, Mike, how does the spy who dumped me relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Well, thanks for asking, Matt. Uh, it is... <laughs> you missed it. You missed it on uh, Anon. You didn't say that. Oh, man. Okay. Well, thanks for asking, Matt. Uh, the <laughs> the uh, composer in this movie, uh, T- Tyler Bates, was also the composer in Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. Now, is he going to get fired since James Gunn is no longer allowed to uh, be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Over some tweets he did over a decade ago? 
I when he was trying to be a comedian. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I I I guess not. I would imagine the director brings a lot of the same people they liked working with with them. So maybe, maybe not. It's hard to hard to say. I don't know what's going to go on with that whole debate. It seems like, uh, it seems like they should let him direct the third one, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, dude. Disney's Disney's just being stupid. The, the, I mean, come on. It was when he was trying to be a funny comedian and get his name out there and stuff. And they're not even really good jokes. They're stupid in my book. But uh, James Gunn, I mean, how much money he's made for Disney. You know, I think probably if they don't hire him on, Guardians 3 will probably flop hard. Real hard. And what's even more interesting is that they were talking about making the Marvel Cinematic Universe because the next phase has a lot more to deal with the cosmos and different planets and different universes and things like that. And James Gunn was going to be a really, really big kind of influence in his writing and guidance for the whole entire next phase in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And they're just going to throw him out over... Some jokes he literally did 10 years ago. Do you really want to jeopardize possibly making a lot more money, Disney? Really? Yeah, I'm not. I don't, I don't know. know. Because the, the cast is already starting to backlash at Disney. And so if the cast is backlashing, when say they do, because they will probably do Guardians 3. I bet you when it does come out, you will see fans say, screw you, Disney, and not go. Probably not as many as I would like to see but I bet you they probably will. I think they will probably get a backlash and they'll feel it. Much like what happened with Solo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that's that's that, that's true. And you think that Solo didn't do too well because it was people that were upset about The Last Jedi? Now, I don't think it was a huge, huge, huge factor, but I definitely think it was for sure a factor. I think it was probably... If I had to put a number on it, I would say probably 20% probably affected it, affected the outcome. Uh, I think another thing that affected it is that it came so fast right after The Last Jedi as well. I mean, it wasn't even six months later and we had another Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that impacted a lot. And then also it went up against Infinity War, man. Infinity War was, was incredible. Yeah, yeah, Infinity War was incredible. Don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed Solo. I thought Solo was great, and it did really good at the box office. But the reason why it was a quote-unquote flop is because how much money they had to put into it. I I don't know if you know this, Mike, but Solo is the most expensive Star Wars movie to date. Wow, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, and the reason why is because of them firing the writers and directors and having to bring in Ron Howard and having to reshoot all that stuff. Yeah, and then they pay Ron Howard probably his full salary. So, like, they ended up paying, like, three directors, I guess? Yeah. They they ended up paying him quite a bit of money. And what's interesting, too, not to get off on Star Wars like I always do, but I haven't gotten off topic on Star Wars in a while, so I'm going to let this one roll. But interesting enough, Ron Howard, after opening weekend, when he tweeted out that Han Solo had made the most money in an opening weekend of any movie he had ever done. Now, take that into consideration. 
think about the movies that Ron Howard has done. And Solo yeah. made the most and is considered a flop. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Uh, Ron Howard did Apollo I mean, 13. That's probably right. my favorite. Right off the top of my head, Apollo 13. Incredible movie. Incredible he film. He did uh, Ransom with uh, Mel Gibson. I like that movie. Another good one. Right. He's done countless huge, well-known movies. And the one that he literally had the biggest opening was one that pe- that people call a flop. It's it's very strange. But anyways, so no, I don't think um, the fan backlash was a huge, huge factor on Solo, but it definitely was a factor. It wasn't the reason why it flopped, but it did add to it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, Mike, the spy who dumped me, how many reels are we going with today? <sighs> well, man, I, I think I'm going to go with four reels. Uh, I like this movie. I don't have too much to complain about it. I thought it was great, so I would recommend everyone go see it. If it, or you know when you can see it, yeah, maybe not at the theater, but you should see it. It's funny. It's good. How the hell? I think this is the first time you've ever given a higher rating than me. What? Oh no, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. You've given out a five, and I haven't. Oh, that's not true. Okay. All right. Yeah, on Spaceballs, Spaceballs. Uh, I don't know what episode number that is. I probably should have those pulled up on my uh, internet. Yeah, but you should. In uh, our legacy cast of Spaceballs, you gave it a perfect score, and I gave it a four and a half. Ah, okay. So, I give The Spy Who Dumped Me three and a half reels out of five. I didn't, you know, I loved it. I thought it was a great film. I thought it was very good, wonderful. Um, the, not really a whole lot to knock it on. It's just a little too kind of silly, I guess you would say. But I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great comedy. I thought it was a great buddy movie. And I loved the combination of Mila Kunis and, you know, um, what, Justin Theroux? He, yeah. He was interesting. He was a good opposite. I don't know. Do you recognize him, Mike, what he's from? He's been in all kinds of stuff, but I didn't really recognize him. The one that I know him the most for, and I I'm, I doubt you've watched this show, I, and I'm slacking on it, but uh, he's the main character in uh, the HBO show The Leftovers. Oh. He plays, he plays the cop in The Leftovers, and I really, really enjoy that movie, but I have not watched the final season of it yet, because I just, I kind of don't want it to end, because it's a very interesting show. It just is always kind of floated under the radar. So... I, I really liked him as the the main spy, I guess you would say, because he's the main spy that they're constantly talking about because he's the boyfriend, but then he's not in probably three quarters of the movie. Right. He's he's in it sometimes from flashbacks, but he's not in it a lot. Yeah. yeah. But the flashbacks, like in, in Justin Theroux, he, um, he can do the serious roles and he can do a little witty and he can do a little funny. And I really think he just nailed it, especially in the fat flash, flat flash backs. The hardest thing I had believing with him was some of the action sequences, like especially the very first one, you know, which, which was kind of funny in its own right. Like I loved how, um, <laughs> He, he finally gets his getaway vehicle, and it's so much more realistic than, say, like, Mission Impossible, where he finds, like, a Ducati, 
and hops on a Ducati and just rockets out of yeah. there. He finds a little scooter. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's honestly probably what would be around. There might be a few motorcycles here and there, but it would probably mostly be scooters. Right, yeah, depending on where you're at, yeah. And I think he was somewhere in Europe. Uh, I don't remember if they said where he was in the very opening. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I think... I think it was Austria still, because if you remember, that's where he sends her right um, once she gets the stuff or whatever. So I I, I want to say it's Austria, but I, I don't know. I don't think they ever really reveal it. Yeah, yeah. He's if they did, I don't I don't remember somewhere in Europe. That's fine. What'd you think of uh, Hassan Minaj? Oh, uh, as the kind of yeah, he he was okay. He see he was played a good um like uh stuck up character who pretty much had to say Harvard every every uh line like every time he had and a he, sentence. And you know he's like a big time comedian that has all kinds of stand up specials and stuff. That's why it was so funny to see him like saying Harvard like every two minutes. Yeah. Yeah I now I loved I'm it. Sure he, I thought yeah, it was I'm good. sure he was laughing about it too, like his own joke. He might have even been the one that came up with that. Who knows? All right, so Mike you got anything else you want to add about the the spy who dumped me? No, I thought this was this is cool. This is fun. So basically, definitely go and see it if you want to have a good time. Now, is it a movie you have to see in the theaters? I wouldn't say so. So it doesn't have like drop dead killer action that you got to have really good surround sound for. I mean, it has some action, but I wouldn't say it has you know drop dead killer action like uh like Mission Impossible kind of does have that drop dead killer action. If you're going to watch Mission Impossible, you got to see it in the theaters. You have to. Unless you have your own home theater cuz it's just wow. Yeah, like a Dolby Atmos home theater, like the crazy newest kind. I mean, the action on that movie was just something else. It really was. I mean, it set the bar for action movies from here on out. Yeah, uh, Matt, did you want to talk about our upcoming uh, Legacy cast a little bit? Dude, go for it, man. Go for it. it, it do, you, do you want me to talk about it, or do you want to talk about it? Because I know you were super excited about it. Well, uh, uh, our upcoming uh, Legacy cast on uh, this coming week for Thursday is going to be Universal Soldier. And this is a kind of a classic in my mind. Uh, it came out in 1992, and... Uh, we were quite younger, and I remember being a huge uh, Van Damme fan, so I had to see it, and uh, I loved it, but watching it now, it's like, man, it, it was pretty cheesy, but I, I, I really liked it, yeah. We will get into it, because th- my rating is going to reflect my viewing it now versus when I was a kid, because <laughs> I haven't seen that movie since probably at least high school maybe middle school yeah so yeah anyway um that's that's our teaser for uh universal soldier legacy cast but um one last thing about the legacy cast is that it was a request it was requested by one of my buddies here in the quad city area his name is don crow he is one of the chino valley model aviators that is where i know him from and he requested Universal Soldier. And do you know why he requested Universal Soldier, Mike? Uh, doesn't it have something to do with where some of the movie was shot? It, wasn't it filmed just outside of Prescott? 
90% of Universal Soldier was filmed in northern Arizona, including the Vietnam parts. Nice. That's interesting. Now, <laughs> we will definitely have to get into that when we uh, discuss it. I'm going to try and pull up some trivia and things. I know a lot of the trivia, but I, I want to make sure I have a source on it so I don't sound like I'm just mumbling. But yes, that is the biggest one of the reasons why Don requested it is because he knows a lot of the trivia behind it. And he would like to have it tied into, you know, the local area since, you know, that's where the podcast is. Well, half of the podcast. The other half is in Intercourse, Pennsylvania. Right, right. Where we have a, a large following of, of about three. Dude, that's nice. That's nice. Uh, so the three out there... With the four over here gives us seven. Lucky number seven. Lucky number seven. We're moving up in the world. I think I had to go get some lottery tickets. Maybe we could afford some advertising then. Or to go to the movies. Yeah, yeah. All right, Mike. Well, I think that's all I got. Yeah, uh, that's all I have. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Now, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now, go out and catch a movie.